What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Welcome back on a Wednesday night. Anybody catch the ad me and Brett did this week on Facebook? If not, check it out. We're talking about what's been happening on Wednesday nights. So if you've been missing and on Sunday mornings, we were talking about it and talking about what's been going on, just letting people know so that they can come and check it out for themselves. So if that's you and you're tuning with us online right now, we want to thank you so much for tuning online. Let me go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church right here in Jackson, Missouri. We are so glad that you tuned with us online this morning. But what we want to do is invite you to come and be a part of what God is doing right here at 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri, on Sunday mornings at 1030 with Joy Church, and on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, God's been up to some big things, and those of you here, you know it. You guys got your heads going, and he's up to some bigger things yet. We're watching things as they're beginning to progress, and I believe we are getting ready to see a move of God like we've never seen before. Revival has been breaking out across this country and in other countries as well, and we're getting ready to see Big things happen, so get excited, Christians, because God's on a roll. Let's just say that. God is on a roll, and you know he loves to show out, show up and show out so that he can get the credit Amen. for what he is doing. And there will be no other explanation except God when it comes down to his final deliverance. So we're looking forward to the second coming, but before then, we got a revival, folks. We got things happening. We got things moving and God is up to big things. So we want to invite you, if you've not got a church home, come and join us. We would love to have you be a part of this church family and grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. We've been talking about the blood. We were singing about the blood tonight. The blood. We're going to talk more about it tonight as we talk more about First Peter. We're going to be beginning chapter 2 tonight of First Peter. And as I was writing, of course, I wanted to go further, but... We're only going to get through 10 verses tonight of First Peter because God just started. And I mean, it was, I've said it before on another message, but it was like information overload. And I'm just writing as God is speaking to me, and I'm doing this in the early morning hours. So God has been moving, and I'm excited. I want to go ahead and open with prayer tonight, if that'll be all right, and we will get right into the Word. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. We thank you for those here tonight. We ask that you would be with them and bless them, Lord, whatever they need in their lives, God, whether it be financially, spiritually, healing, whatever they need in their lives, Lord. We pray that over them right now, God, in the name of Jesus. We pray that you would continue to encourage them and that you would speak your words through me tonight, that they would not be my own, that those listening here, and those that will be tuning online later will hear nothing but your word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter 
chapter 2. Here's the fun part. We're going to get to our key verse tonight as well. But let's go ahead and read that as we get ready to get started with this evening's message. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. This is the key passage for the entire series, verses 4 to 5. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And we are going to be talking about that tonight. Why is that the key passage? We're going to talk about it tonight. That's why this series is called Living stones, and we're going to be talking about that even more tonight as we go further into First Peter. This section that we're going to be talking about tonight continues what began in chapter 1, verse 13, where Peter drew out the practical manifestation of salvation and hope. Remember, the last two weeks that we've been talking about this, he has been pushing hope, he has been pushing salvation, because the people that he is writing to, we believe, are mostly Gentiles. They were located somewhere in the Asia Minor region, they believe around the Turkey area, and that they have been experiencing persecution. They're being persecuted as the church of God, and Peter sends them words of hope. And salvation, and we're going to get more into those words tonight. Let's go ahead and pick up there in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, babies sorry, crave pure spiritual milk so that, it, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. God is good. Amen. And those of you that are believers, you know that. Those of you that aren't, when you come to know him, you'll know that he is good. And he's been up to big things. So the first thing we notice here in these first three verses tonight is that they are exhorted. So we're continuing the exhortation. Last week, or we talked, or that's two weeks ago, we talked about three of them. We're going to be continuing that tonight. Point number one tonight, if you're taking notes, is they are exhorted to desire the word of God, the word of God, his word, not man's word. That's important because man will tell you a lot of things. God will tell you the truth. Amen. 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 So this describes the spiritual nature of their craving as opposed to former fleshly cravings. We talked a little bit about that last time, but understand this, this particular passage is not necessarily just talking about Bible studies in your house. It's not necessarily talking about going to church on Sundays, things like that. What it is talking about is the natural spiritual craving you have for the word of God and for God. And he says, pure spiritual milk, like what? Like newborn babies. Pure spiritual milk refers to the very things that nourish the Christian community in its growth. Here they are. Are you ready? Knowledge of God. Amen. Prayer. Instruction in the gospel. Faithful obedience. And hearing God's word preached. The fifth one we're doing tonight, right? We're hearing God's word being taught. So you've already covered one of those. Even if you're an unbeliever tonight, you're hearing God's word come forth this evening. But then I noticed there in verse 1, it said, therefore, rid yourselves. Here's what it's talking about. In order to get that closer relationship with God, you're going to have to get rid of some things. And we're going to talk more about this in the church. 
tonight. There are some things that the church needs to get rid of and some things that they need to grab on to. And when I say church, I'm not talking about a house. I'm talking about the church, the whole body of believers that are on planet Earth right now. So here it says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Mm. So the one word I could pull out of there that maybe some people aren't as familiar with was that word malice. Well, what are we talking about when we're talking about malice? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary online. Now, you got to do this fast. I'm going to read you the definition because when they don't like something, they just change it, right? We've seen that happening in this society. It's happened several times. When they don't like the way it sounds, you know who I'm talking about. They just change it. All right, so here's what the definition of malice is. Desire to cause pain, injury, or distress to another. Hmm. That sounds a little bit like some stuff that's going on in this world, right? Oh, but definition number two, check this out. Intent to commit an unlawful act or cause harm without legal justification or excuse. Wow. That's like last year all over again, right? Last summer, we saw that happening, and they're claiming they're doing it, some of them, in the name of God, and it's just not. Peter tells us, you are to steer away from those things. We're not to have a part of it. That's what we're going to be talking about. And that is the Merriam-Webster Dictionary from online. That was the definition last night when I put it in my notes, okay? These are things that accompany Christian assemblies where spiritual things are not, underline not, desired. So everything we just read in this list accompanies the assemblies that are not spirit, craving spiritual things. What? That wasn't me. That was the Apostle Peter. You know, the one they claimed founded the whole church, right? It was Jesus, but Peter was one of them. He says, that you are, if you are doing any of these things, then you are accompanying in Christian assemblies where spiritual things are not desired. What were the list again? We'll read it. It's verse 1. Rid yourselves of all that stuff we just talked about, causing pain, doing things without excuse or justification behind what you're doing. All deceit. Anybody know of anything about some deceit that's been going on in this world? Hypocrisy. Woo, that's a big one. That's been happening all over the place. Envy. What is envy? Woo, wanting something somebody else has. That desire, that envy that gets up inside of you. And slander. Anybody know anything about some gossip or some slander? That you've, How many of y'all have been a part of a church? I have. Hand goes up. Where gossip destroyed the church. Anybody? Just me, huh? Okay, I'm the lone soldier in this one. I've been a part of an assembly where gossip destroyed what was going on. And it is a sad place to be. Especially if you are claiming to be a Christian and be a part of God's church. This image draws a picture of bad habits that need to be eliminated and good habits that need to be developed. And we're going to talk about the good habits here just in a little bit. We're not there yet. We're getting to the good habits. Good habits come from craving pure spiritual milk. 
just like Peter said. Now, there comes a point when you've got to move from milk to meat. The Bible tells us that. So, you know, you start out, you get the milk. But it's time. You've got to get into some meat at some point or you never grow up, right, as a Christian, as a believer. You've got to grow up. You've got to mature. Peter is referring to the manner of their desire. The desire of the body you're a part of will determine the direction it goes. Whew. The desire of the body that you're a part of will determine the direction of where that body goes. So if you're desiring the things that we just talked about, you're not desiring spiritual things. And if you're a part of a church doing that, run. Run, run, run. Because God wants you to do the opposite of that, which we're going to be talking about here in just a few minutes. When a church yearns for spiritual nourishment... That church will not be involved in bitter disputes with hypocritical showings or deceitful communications. Oh, immediately some of you got some stuff coming to mind. Churches claiming to be the body of Christ that are the biggest hypocrites we know. They say they're for Christ. Let's not even say churches. Let's say people say they're a believer. They say they're born again, but their fruit and the stuff they're doing tells you otherwise. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks as we talked. When you become born again, your desires change. You no longer desire the things your flesh craved when you were first born again or before you were born again. Now you desire God and his word. Psalm 34, 8. Check this out. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Peter probably had this in mind, I would say, when he was writing this. We're taking refuge in God. Regardless of the how things look around us, we take our refuge in him. If you don't have a prayer time or a time you spend with God in this world, you better find some. Because this world will have you pulling your hair out, looking at the things going on. <laughs> Ed's scratching his head. Those online can't see that. Ed's lost a few, some hairs up top. So he's like, wait a minute. So the world's gotten to Ed's. He's what he's saying, right? <laughs> Just kidding. We are to focus our lives on spiritual nourishment and growth. For it is through this kind of development that we will attain our hope of salvation. Mm, that was good. I like that's the commentary. That wasn't me. Can't take credit for that. But we desire that hope. We have that hope. We talked about last time the difference between a real believer and the world. They have hope. You look around at the world we're living in today, there's not a lot of hope. If you don't have Jesus, there's probably zero hope. That this thing's going to come out the way you think. But God. God has something to say. He always has something to say. And some of you are going to find out in coming days how real God is. Because something is getting ready to happen. And God is getting ready. And he's already, it's already started. I shouldn't say coming. It's already started. It's already began. God is moving. For those of you that only watch the news, turn it off. Just turn it off. They're not telling you anything you need to hear. 
They are the false prophets of this generation. I have said that the last three weeks. Apparently, it's a message that needs to get across to some of you listening. Maybe some of you here got yourself caught up in too much news. God says, turn it off, spend some time with me, and I'll tell you the plans. Mm, Amen. Holy Spirit all up in the atmosphere tonight. First Peter continuing there in verses 4 and 5. Now we're going to get to the good stuff, right? Verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The key passage for this entire series, which is called Living Stones, is right here, and you're about to find out why. So point number two, if you're taking notes before I get to it. They are exhorted to build themselves into a spiritual house. One piece at a time. I love Tasha, and you guys are going to get to meet her in the coming days. I've been talking to her about coming and speaking for us, so uh, there's some stuff coming up down the pipeline. She wrote a book called Puzzled to Purpose. She likes puzzle pieces. And she wrote a book about it, Finding God's Purpose and Your Piece of the Puzzle, because the overall big picture of the world we're living in is a puzzle, and your piece needs to be where it's supposed to be because get this she said this if your piece isn't in position there are other pieces around you that aren't in position either because they can't connect because you're not in place yet you need to find your place some of those hypocrites we were talking about earlier usually when people are gossiping and talking about other people in the church it's because they haven't found their own purpose yet so they're getting all up in your business about what you have going on, good as it might be, they're going to try their best to do exactly what he told us not to do earlier, which was slander and gossip. But those people generally, those people generally haven't discovered their own purpose yet. So they're talking about yours. Gives them something to do, right? Amen. In these verses, in these two verses, Peter raises two distinct themes both of which are developed in what follows. And when I say what follows, I'm talking about verses 6 to 8 and 9 and 10. We're going to get to here shortly. We're not there yet. The first one is the twofold response to Christ in his earthly and heavenly ministries. What are we talking about there? Acceptance or rejection. You either accept him for who he is or you reject him. It is black and white. There's no gray areas. I know in this world they'd like to tell you there is, but there's not. There's so many gray areas. Just do what you want. If it feels good, do it, right? We're all getting to the same place, right? That's not what God said at all. Matter of fact, Jesus himself, I said it last week, I'll say it again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, period. That's it. He even calls himself the gatekeeper in one passage, and his sheep know his voice. Some people want to know how to listen for God. You just haven't found him yet. That's the problem. Some of you, maybe you found him, but you're not listening because he's always speaking. He's always got something to say. And if Holy Spirit lives inside of you, he's always talking. 
you know, those decisions that we make sometimes that are stupid. Let's just be real. And we knew we weren't supposed to do it. We did it anyway, and we found out why we weren't supposed to do it after we did it, right? And then we're right back to God. God, forgive me, right? Holy Spirit said, I told you, right? He's there to convict, to let us know when we get out of line. And it hurts sometimes, right, Ed? Ed's the one always talking about, you know, God talks to him. He gets him the backhand. He has to get his kitchen really good, like smack. He's got his, and I'm one of those kind of guys as well. When God's trying to get my attention, sometimes it takes a good smacking. Hey, smack me around a little bit. Let me know what you're trying to say. But we need to have ears to hear what God is saying. The churches in Asia Minor must see, and this is talking about who he's writing the letter to. The churches in Asia Minor must see themselves as living stones connected to the living stone, capital S. And they must unify themselves so that they may become a spiritual house. Some places that's all you're going to get, but I'm going to go a little deeper with you tonight. Is that all right? Peter here, when he's writing these passages, would have been familiar with the period he's writing in, right? Well, apparently, a living stone in this time period was a usable stone. A dead stone was one that could not be used. So get this. Living stones were what they built with. Dead stones were thrown out. Woo! Kind of gives a different perspective and a deeper meaning on that passage, doesn't it? Peter's telling us to be living stones, be usable stones, be available when God calls you so that he can use you to build this spiritual house that I think we're seeing coming together faster than we have in a long time right now. If he can't use you, guess what? You get thrown out. Mm. And that is a terrible place to be. You know, there's another passage where that stuff gets burned. That's talking about brush or vines, branches that can't, that are dead. They get thrown out. Just like living, or dead stones get thrown out. They can't build a house with a dead stone because it's a bad stone. So if you're a believer, you need to be doing your best to be usable. And if you're still breathing, God's still got a plan. A lot of us would think when we reach a certain age, we're done. Uh-uh. If you're still breathing, God's still got a plan. And he's still got a purpose for your life. No excuses. Get on board so that God can use you to build a spiritual house. Instead of being a simple group of social outcasts, they must find their identity and cohesion in their spiritual relationship in the living stone, capital S, Jesus. We've got to find our relationship with him. We've got to be able to identify ourselves with him before we're going to get anywhere God wants us to go. It starts there. Now, some of us, he slaps us a little early just to get our attention, right, to, to let you know you need him, right? I've heard stories, and there's some good ones out there. I'm not going to go into that because I don't want to get sidetracked tonight. But here's what you need to understand. Being a usable stone or a living stone doesn't mean you're always going to be accepted. 
Uh oh. Jesus was rejected <laughs> by human beings, but chosen by God. Just as his readers were being rejected by humans. Well, well I can't say that to so and so. I might offend them. You can make more friends, right? If it's God's word that you're supposed to, I'm not saying go off on your own little tangent. That's not, that's not what we're saying, so don't get the wrong idea. But if God speaks to you to talk to someone and you don't do it, how usable are you? I've been there, all right? I've been in those situations, so we all have been there. It's not saying you're going to be perfect. What it is saying is you should be striving to be perfect, like your heavenly Father is perfect. He exhorts readers to look beyond this present rejection, and we got a lot of it right now, and see God's final chapter. This is God's story. Doesn't matter how mad the, the enemy hates it, it doesn't matter how bad man hates it, it's still God's story. And the end result is the same we win. If you haven't read the back of the book, we win. Man, I just gave it away. Spoiler alert. Should have said that, right? Spoiler alert. We win. So if you're an unbeliever out there, that means you lose. But here's the good news. You don't have to lose. Right? You don't have to lose. You have to receive God's free gift of salvation. Amen or oh me? Amen. Hopefully most of you. Amen. Let's continue there in verse six. It says, for in scripture, it says, see, a, a, let me start that again. For in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. You know, Brett said something here back when he was doing his hide and seek series, and I thought it was good. Let the world play the games. We don't have time for it. That's good, and that's truth. We don't have time for the games. It's enough time playing patty cake on Sunday mornings in church. It's time for God's people to rise up and become the saints of God that he has called you to be. Point number three, and I've already said it once, but it's actually a point too. Jesus was rejected by humans, but accepted by God. People aren't always going to like you and what you have to say. And I know that's a human emotion we hate. Been there. Sometimes it's just the truth hurts, right? Even when he's talking to us, right? We've had those situations. Somebody tells you the truth. Ed talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes it hurts, but we need to hear it. Truth. Peter here was quoting Isaiah 28, 16 when he started this out, which says, So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it 
will never be stricken with panic. I like that the NIV put the word panic in there. What have we noticed for the last year, even in the church? Panic, fear. What did Isaiah tell us thousands of years ago? You know, around 400 years before Christ, which is about 2,000 years ago. So 2,400 years ago, Isaiah lives. He's saying this, the one who relies on it, talking about the sure foundation, the cornerstone that God is going to place in Zion, the one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. If your hope is in Jesus, what are you scared of? I made some people mad, you know, back when COVID first hit last year. I might as well go ahead and make everybody mad, right? I said, I'm going to church. If the Lord wants me to die of COVID-19, I guess I'm going out with COVID because I'm going to do what he's called me to do. In a world full of panic, us as the body of believers are to be the hope that points people to the cornerstone, the firm foundation that is in Christ. What is a cornerstone? I looked this up too. What's a cornerstone? Well, the first definition isn't talking about the actual stone, but check out what it says. Definition number one, an important quality or feature on which a particular thing depends or is based. That sounds like Jesus. Our cornerstone. Everything we believe is based on him as our foundation. It's like Paul said, if it weren't true, we are to be pitied. Most of all. But we know it is. So we continue pushing forward with Christ our firm foundation, our cornerstone. The second definition is a stone that forms the base of a corner of a building joining two walls. And that's exactly what it is. I did a report on this passage years ago. It's a ginormous stone that sits at the corner of whatever foundation you're building. So where the walls connect in the corner, it's the foundation. Check this out. What Peter sees happening here is an unfolding of two other stone passages in Scripture. What are they? Glad you asked. Psalm 118.22, here's what it says. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Peter argues that Jesus has become much more than a rejected stone. He has become the capstone. The stone that ties it all together. Well, what's a capstone? I'm glad you asked. I looked that one up too. And it depends on your translation. The older NIV said capstone here. All right. But in this translation, it says cornerstone. Coming the cornerstone. But a capstone is a stone fixed on top of something, typically a wall. So check this out. What I saw of this I thought was exciting. He's our base and he's our finish. He ties it all together. I like that. It said he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Always was, always is, and always will be. He's there. 
The other scripture he had in mind was Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14, which says, he will, play, he will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Back to Isaiah 2,400 years ago. Peter draws from a passage. Check out, this is what's going on in this passage in Isaiah. He draws from a passage where Yahweh, the Almighty, is the one to fear because he will be for both Israel and Judah a stone that causes human beings to stumble and fall in judgment. We don't like to talk about the J word. Not talking about Jesus. They don't like to talk about that either. But judgment. We talked over this series. He's a just God. He's God. He's the only one holy. So he has to judge justly. Sin cannot enter his presence. On that day, you won't have the excuses. Well, I believe, well, God doesn't care what you believe. The truth is, he gave it to you. Who's the truth? The answer is always Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Unbelievers respond just like Israel and Judah did to Yahweh in history. What do we mean? He became their source of judgment instead of salvation. God wants to be our source of salvation. But for those that don't believe, he will be your source of judgment. Ultimately, his word is final. Doesn't matter how you want to twist it. Doesn't matter how you want to believe it. Truth is truth. That's the thing about truth. It can't be changed. No different than us walking out and during the summertime, seeing the green grass and just rejecting its green. Right? Well, I don't believe that grass is green, even though I'm looking at it, right? I don't believe that grass is green. It's blue, right? Everybody's saying, but the grass is green. It's a fact, and it's truth. Can't be changed. Now, if you go to wintertime, it's brown, right? But we're talking about in the summer and the spring, it's green. The sky is blue. The sky is different colors at sunset. Isn't God a creative artist? That's just a bonus. Isn't God a creative artist? Check this out. God's act of appointing Jesus as the living stone, capital S, has become both honor for believers and judgment for unbelievers. This was God's design, and everything happens according to his will, not ours. He's still in control. No matter what the world tells you, he's still in control. And he's given them time. He's given them plenty of time. He's still giving them time to repent, just like he did Nineveh. And when they repented, he spared them a little longer until they did it again, right? Isn't that like Israel in the Old Testament? Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That's what it's getting at. We reject him. Many people don't even know that they've rejected him. They just reject him. Many people do know they've rejected him. I had him tell me to my face. 
I don't believe in your God, atheist, right? Sitting in college. I don't know if I should go there or not. I was sitting in class. It was Good Friday, and Good Friday that year just happened to fall on Friday the 13th. So guess who had a joke about it? The atheist. And guess what his, his words were? Maybe Jason killed Jesus. <laughs> right? And I'm making fun of him, of course. But uh, you know what I said to him? Don't you talk about my God that way. Do you know what he said back? I don't believe in your God. Because if power is a sin, then God's the greatest sinner of all. Okay, Bible never said power is a sin. It said abuse power is a sin, right? But it's, it's funny how they rationalize in their mind how to reject a Savior who's offering a free gift. I liked Ruth's demonstration. I think it was this Sunday where she had the gift. If we accept it, but most of us just put it over here. Eh, I got time for that right now. God's saying it's free. Take it. Many people are saying no. Ultimately, that's your choice. That was my choice, was to say yes. It's your choice. What do you do with Jesus? What do you do with God? Because at the end of the day, it matters. Because if Jesus was telling the truth, guess what? Truth can't be changed. And you rejected him because you refused to believe it was truth. But if it was truth, it doesn't matter. And that's where many people are going to stand on Judgment Day with all their excuses. Why they didn't follow him. They're going to come with accusations like the one I just gave you. And God's going to say, eh. And I always see a trap door, right? God's like, ain't got time for him. Drop him into hell, right? I'm not trying to be funny, but think about it. On Judgment Day... Did you receive Jesus' blood? Did you come through the blood? If you came through the blood, he stands in the gap for you. If you didn't, no excuses. Buzzer. Amen. Let's wrap this up tonight. Verses 9 and 10. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Many people need to get that in their spirit. You're special to God. Ed just talked about it. You're a masterpiece. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I know tonight was probably harsh for some people. But you know what? The truth hurts. And if you thought it was harsh, he's probably talking to you. You need to accept Christ. I said it earlier. It's time to quit playing patty cake on Sunday mornings and let you know the truth. God does love you. He loves everybody. That's why he sent Jesus to die. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath rejected the name of the only begotten Son of God. God did love us. He's, he does love us. That's why he gives us hope and a chance at eternity with him. 
In contrast to the unbelieving, which we just got done talking about. Here's the good news. We got to end on a good note, right? In contrast to the unbelieving, stumblers over the stone. And I didn't get into some of that. I might get into it next week. Christians are the true people of God who continue in God's purposes that began with Abraham and Moses. We have been grafted in. Ed just talked about, I think it was Sunday, right? Just talked about us being grafted in. He's talked about it the last several weeks. We've been grafted in once we received God's free gift of salvation. God's purposes in Israel were not frustrated by the unbelieving rejection and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Instead, that event was planned by God to be the weighty foundation stone of the new people of God who were to emerge after that crucifixion and vindication. They rejected him. That was their choice. Even the religious knuckleheads, they rejected him. They had him crucified. But you know what? God had a plan. And Peter tells him, maybe we may be getting to it. Maybe I talked about it last week. Before the foundations of the world, Jesus was chosen as the lamb that would be slain because he knew we couldn't hold up our end of the bargain. He knew the temptation would be too great. Now, we just talked about it in the the verse at the beginning of the night. He's not going to give you more temptation than you can bear, right? He's always got a way of escape, yes. Want to end on that note tonight? I know there's more I could go, but we're going to stop there for tonight. But we're going to go ahead and pray. I want to talk with you people online first before we get ready to dismiss. If you're tuning with us online Sunday morning or whenever you're checking this out, I want to encourage you, if you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he is your way of escape. How much did he love you? This much. And I, I, got, I can't get both hands out, but this much. He died for you. God does love you. That's why he sent his son. Because he wants you to spend eternity with him. The question is, are you going to accept him and his free gift? Or reject him. Choice is yours. It's on you at the end of the day. You can get mad at this old preacher if you want to. But at the end of the day, you're the one who has to stand before a holy God on judgment day and declare what your choice was and why you made it. My choice is Jesus. Because he's the only one that can save my soul. You just ask. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. When I got into ministry, I promised God and myself I would not end a service without giving a chance for you to receive Christ. That was your opportunity. If you did that and you meant it from the bottom of your heart and you received Christ tonight, I want to say congratulations and welcome to God's family. And I want to send you to our website, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. If you'll go to the main page, you'll go to the upper left corner, click on the menu button. There'll be a drop box that drops down. 
Go all the way to the right side. There's a link that says The Road to New Life. Click on that link. It takes you to a separate website that I created in college that will walk you through the process and the steps of salvation. You want more information? I encourage you to do that right now. At the very bottom of the last page, you follow each page in order. The very last page, there's a contact form. comes directly to my email, trentoncruz at yahoo.com. Go ahead and send me an email. Let me know that you received Christ tonight. I would love to know about it. I would love to celebrate with you about it. Now you need to find you a church home that is open and that is discipling like they're supposed to be. And then you need to be baptized, following in Jesus' footsteps. Thank you for tuning online this evening. God bless you, and I hope you'll join us next week.